What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby. And these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet table. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life. It chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know, we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z Podcast. And we have a special surprise for all you listeners today. No Kevin Sherrington. That's a good thing, right? Yes, and, and no Evan Grant. Also a good thing. And but we do unfortunately we do have David Moore <laughs> that, here. That's not us. a good thing. And, and David, and on the phone we Two have three. to talk Cowboys. On the phone we have Bob Sturm for from the ticket. I'm not going to say it's official. It's too long, and I, I really don't remember it. Sports Radio 96.7 and one thirteen ten the ticket. And but here's the good news. David will be playing cornerback, and Bob will be playing uh, strong safety in the Cowboys secondary this year because there's <laughs> nobody else left. What, just, just yeah, because they lost four guys who totaled 2,670 snaps last year in the secondary? You're concerned? You're that reactionary? I, I'm not concerned because we, we have David Moore here, who <laughs> is, is the Cowboy beat writer here at uh, Dallas Morning News and SportsDayDFW.com, and Bob Sturm who is a cowboy a savant, and we'll, I'll, I'll just sit back. I'm Barry Horn, and I'll just sit back and, and marvel. At, That's best at the for knowledge. everyone, I think. Who, who invited you, David? <laughs> My gosh. But, guys, uh, first let's start, let's start off with David because he's sitting opposite me and staring at me. Glaring at you. Who's, who's going to play in the secondary this year, this season? Well, you're going to have Byron Jones. We'll be starting at one of the spots. Uh, you'll, ha- you'll have Anthony Brown at one of the corners. Uh, right now, you have Orlando Skandrick. Given what you saw from him last year coming off a major injury and the level of performance you saw and his age, I'm not so sure. I, right now, he's kind of a fixture back there, but I, I have some concerns about how good he's going to be going forward. Um, so, look, this, this is a good draft as far as the secondary is concerned. I think that plays into the Cowboys' strategy here. But I also believe the Cowboys now are going to say that, well, look, you know, we didn't produce that many turnovers on the back end. Uh, We want to get younger. We want to get faster. This is the draft to do it. This was our conscious decision to go forward this way. I'm not sure I buy it to the extent where you want to lose four guys, four of your top six players in your secondary, because that goes against everything Stephen Jones says he wants to do in free agency, which is, you know what? You just cover up spots to the standpoint where you can have a true, pure draft, where you don't have to draft out of a position of need. You're going, you, have a posi- you have several positions of need in the secondary right now, in my mind. Bob, agree or yeah. disagree? And Bob, let me ask you this question. What about the, the one, uh, one guy uh, David didn't mention, Jeff Heath, who seems to be everybody's uh, favorite guy who never plays and everybody wants him to play more? Your thoughts? 
Yeah, yeah, no, no. Jeff Heath is a is a is a pretty good story, and I do think it's time to see if he can play that center field. And I've got I've got no problem with running him out there because partly because we're not talking about replacing Darren Woodson here. We're talking about uh, the free safety spot for the Cowboys has kind of been uh, either average or well below average for really ten years. Uh, I, I don't think they've ever had exceptional center field play. And I think Jeff Heath has at least shown uh, flashes. And uh, it doesn't hurt that his best game was the playoff game against Green Bay where seemingly every other part of the secondary was, uh, was obliterated. Uh, Jeff Heath uh, seemed to be able to um, not fall for, for Aaron Rodgers' sight lines and, and be able to get over there. and uh, Might have had two interceptions if it wasn't for uh, a, a, a little penalty underneath. So, so I, I'm not. I don't have a big problem with Jeff Heath uh, just kind of inheriting that role. My problem, of course, is is, is all of the snaps. I mean, uh, you know, when you talk, 2,700 snaps is a huge number. And just to give you an example of what that number is, that's roughly the number of snaps the entire rookie class took last year. And if you think about it, Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott played pretty much every snap of every game. Anthony Brown and Malik Collins played a ton. And all of that added up to 2,700. Like, that almost sounds low to me. Uh, if you were going to tell me your quarterback and running back were going to play every snap, I would say, wow, that sounds like 4,000 snaps. It really wasn't. It was about 2,700. So that's how much they're trying to replace this year. I also think we've gotten a little carried away on Anthony Brown's quality. And I realize that that's what we do with rookies who we expect nothing from and we get something. So now we think he's ready to, you know, have uh, Revis Island. Uh, you know, maybe uh, Anthony Brown. I, I think he was generally covering guys well down in the rotation for the uh, opposition. And so now to suggest in a division that has added, you know, Terrell Pryor and Brandon Marshall and Elshon Jeffrey that Brown will just go out there and imitate Brandon Carr or, or even Mo Claiborne when he was healthy, that feels like a stretch to me as well. So, um I, I don't think for a second they expected they were going to lose all four. I don't think they were interested in keeping JJ JJ Wilcox uh, at, at anything more than you know like a million bucks a year, which uh, he did way better than that. The other three, I think they were all hoping might come in at their price, and none of them did. Uh, Church got huge money. Brandon Carr got huge money, even though it's a it's a deceiving contract total. And then Mo Claiborne. I think they got him at one for three last year, David. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. I think they probably, I think they probably assumed they could do that again. And when the Jets threw five out there, he jumped on it. I don't know if he desired a change of scenery anyway, but I think that one bothered them. They were thinking they could keep him at a bargain price, and maybe he would have a breakout like uh, like Nick Perry had last year up in Green Bay. They were from the same draft class, and Nick Perry had one good season in his whole career but he did it in the year that got him $60 million. Yeah, and, I think uh, they were looking. Yeah, after they got Nolan Carroll, I, I think clearly they made another run at Claiborne. But they, given as many games as he's missed, uh, they didn't want to make that jump up from 3, 3.5 to 5. But again, um, you know, and look, Carroll, I, I think they like they brought Carroll in last year, chose not to sign him because he was coming off the ankle injury. I think he's a little more physical than Carr. I think he plays a little better tackler and has more of an edge. But I don't think he's a better corner than Brandon Carr. And so no. now you're stepping down, and now your best corner or your most reliable corner 
Uh, and I agree with you on Anthony Brown. There's a big difference in, in matching up with the second and third wide receivers on team and suddenly being saying, you know what, we saw enough last year, you're our lead guy. I'm not sure that he's that lead guy. So we'll see how all this plays out. But, but look, it, it's imperative now that they take a corner in the first or second round. Uh, you could argue in the first and second round, but uh, it's imperative they take a corner there. And you step back and look at it, I'm struck that this team – has really not drafted corners well when they've gone high in the draft on corners. They they yeah. hit on Anthony Brown as a sixth. They hit on Skandrick as a fifth. Uh, what is their success in the first three rounds at corner? And it's not all that encouraging. No, no, it, that's a great point. And and you know, as I look at this defense, you know, they had a really overachieving year. Everyone felt really good about it, and uh, you kind of thought you could address maybe getting a, a edge rusher uh, in the first round. And now, I, you know, like it, it's never a good idea to say we're, we're definitely going to get this in the first round because you just don't know how the draft is going to break. I agree that there's, there's enough corners in here to go around, and there are enough corners that hypothetically if you wanted to say we're going to get one in the second and one in the third or two of our top three or something like that. But you could also talk me into safety. And, uh, you know, they're, they're – I'll, I'll put it this way. They're a Terrence Williams discount away from this being a rather <laughs> ridiculously poor start to free agency. We we knew they had no money, and we knew they were going to lose a bunch of guys, but I think we have come to expect a few uh, a few uh, guys who just don't have much of a market out there, and, uh, and, and, and really, their secondary got stripped pretty bare. Not that it was a great secondary, but those are... Barry Church and Brandon Carr are examples of just good pros. It was a functional secondary, yeah. But, but, but didn't ev- didn't everybody always rip the secondary for being stripped on the field uh, last season? Yeah. I, I, yes. Well, I mean, in, in Cowboy fandom, you can definitely find corners of uh, of the group that will, will cry about everybody. But I, I, I've been a pretty I've been a pretty reasonable supporter of Brandon Carr's career. I think I think there's something to be said about taking a thousand snaps every season uh that means you're out there 15 16 starts and you never get picked on and yeah he gave up some plays sure and he didn't get the interceptions that people wanted that's all true but man he was not attacked he was not he never had a piece of raw meat hanging around his neck where opposing quarterbacks say i gotta go find brandon Carr so i can uh so I can move the ball down. Yeah, and, 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 do, I, and do you respect what Baltimore does defensively year in and year out? I would say yeah, most people absolutely. do, so and they, they feel, they're yeah, they're going, we're going in on this guy. Well, is it, did people not attack Brandon Carr because who was on the other side of the field? Was that the better option to go? I think uh, Dallas had a really good scheme. I think that, I, you know, and, and I'm constantly, and I get it from a, a financial standpoint. Bob, you, you touched on it earlier about, you know, I, I think last year was a, was a classic of, of the you know the whole being greater than the sum of its parts and and they played really well together they were disciplined played well you know uh, were coordinated had a good chemistry all of that and I'm consistently fascinated by sports organizations and not just football we've seen it here I, I think with the Mavericks at one stage you see it in all sports where they rave about that quality of chemistry and about you know people coming together and being greater than any one individual, and then they never, ever reward it in the offseason to keep it together because they always go, well, look, it is a scheme overall. If we just get a more talented or younger player in there, 
we can be even better. And, and so often it never works out the way that management envisions. Are they putting too much on yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Bob. Go ahead. No, I was just I was just going to echo those sentiments and, and you know, the idea that the good organizations pay their own guys and uh, you know, you, you, you try to beat the market. Sometimes you try to pay those guys in November and December to keep them out of free agency. And and one thing that maybe the Cowboys aren't real used to is the is the downside to being a winner. And the downside to being a winner is people are willing to go nuts to go get your fourth or fifth best offensive lineman, like Ron Leary's number and and uh, I, I think I think playing significant football games, everybody benefits in the end financially, but some of them have to leave town to do so. And um, you know that's that's uh, I think we're seeing a lot of the contenders are losing a lot of good players in free agency, and that's just the benefit of the higher your profile, the more people want to uh, pick off your roster because they think that's these are the guys who helped you win. And what does it say about this team where everyone felt that? defense was the weakest part of the team and that is the part that's being picked on the most now again I would argue the Cowboys have also shown what they think about their team and what their identity is because even with Doug Free's retirement if you look on the offensive side of the ball they've they've retained 10 of the 11 starters they had going into last season um, because Lyle Collins actually started ahead of Leary those first two games before he got hurt but you know again they brought back Darren McFadden. They, you know, they signed Terrence Williams. They bring back Bryce Butler. Uh, offensively, this team still feels it is built to win offensively. And on the defensive side of the ball, they can get away with lesser talent that has a good system, and Rod Marinelli will bring out the best in them. Is, you know, we'll see how sound that philosophy is. All right, so Kevin Sherrington is not here to say this, but he's gonna, he would say this. Kevin, what would you say if you were here? Kevin would say they have to take the best player available when their uh, pick comes up. And if it's a wide receiver, take a wide receiver. If it's a tight end, take a tight end. They can't do that anymore, can they? I, I, I generally subscribe to that idea, but I also would uh, suggest to you in the, at the top where the, uh, where the finest of stake is still available in the first round, uh, you, you've got to make it fit with what you're building. And for that reason... Um, I think the Cowboys are, are pretty fortunate that this is the type of year where their two biggest needs, uh, cornerback and edge rusher, are the two most plentiful positions in this draft. I think, I think well, one through 100, uh, you will find the majority of the top 100 prospects. Um, the, the, the two positions that are um, uh, most heavily populated are, in fact, defensive backs and edge rushers. So that's great news. Now you just got to find the right one. And when, you did, and when you get down around 28, there are usually going to be enough plateaus where you can make a positional. You know, I don't know that there's going to be that much difference in uh, the corners you have there because it's so deep and, and a tight end. And, and also factor in the, the positional weight that they assign each position as well. And cornerbacks and, and edge rushers are, are going to get a higher grade because of their positional weight than a defensive tackle, than a guard. Uh, than a tight end. So I, you know, I think there'll be enough there where I think you can say, you know what, we're really not going off our board because all four of these guys were grouped together. I, I think it's, it bears mentioning that the way the NFL is built in 2017 is a, is a four-year conveyor belt because everyone after the first round gets a four-year contract. So you're basically using four drafts 
to build about 80 to 85 percent of your roster. Now, the other 15, 20 percent, those are your high-end guys that you've invested tons of money in, your Des Bryant and, and many years Tony Romo and, and just these guys at the top, and in this case, uh, Zach Martin, Travis Frederick, Tyron Smith. You know the guys, Sean Lee. The other 80 percent, though, are on that four-year conveyor belt. Uh, and so, uh, just to give you an example, in this year's free agency, all the 2013 draft picks became free agents. Travis Frederick did not because they gave him an extension, but otherwise, every single guy ended their contract. And, and so now, your whole roster is the 2014, 2015, and 2016 uh, drafts, and then you'll add the 2017 draft. So it's a four-year deal, and the reason I mention all that is, aside from Byron Jones, over the course of uh, this period of time, you will find that uh, the Cowboys have really not taken much as far as defensive backs are concerned. In fact, I think Anthony Brown is the only corner, uh, if you consider Byron Jones a safety, that they've taken in, in this four-year stretch. Uh, the 2013 corner would have been B.W. Webb, who we said goodbye to, I think, yeah. two or and three next years year, ago, yeah. David. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fifth so, round pick. So, so the, on draft weekend, those, those talking heads, including us, will all say, hey, it's never bad to take a corner every single draft. And this is one of those reasons, probably, is because uh, um, you'd never want to be caught needing, essentially, because I don't, I don't consider Anthony Brown a top-two corner, and I don't really consider Nolan Carroll a top-two corner. So you could actually talk me into... Orlando Scandrick a top-two corner at this point. Yeah, you could, you could talk me into the fact that the Cowboys need uh, two starting corners right now, and I don't think that'd be crazy. And it is interesting, you know, we are talking earlier about how the, the Cowboys haven't had a lot of success on drafting early. If you want to go back to Mo Claiborne, again, they gave up a second to move up to number six to get Mo Claiborne, and, and now they're willing to let him go. Before that, the highest one they took was Mike Jenkins, uh, who had one good year and didn't really uh, fit with him going forward. But I'm also struck, you look at a lot of the top corners in this league, and they're taken in the fifth round or later. So I think while we're fixating on, you know, you've got to do it early, and certainly the talent and the depth of this draft would indicate that you would, uh, look, look at what Seattle has done with its secondary. By and large, those guys, uh, Watts, you know, the, the safety was early, but you had uh, guys taken in the fifth and sixth round in uh, Chancellor and some of those guys, and uh, Sherman. Uh, you look, there, there are a lot of really good corners in this league who were taken later, and I think that speaks to the – it's not just the talent of that position, it is the temperament, because you are going to get beat, how are you going to come back, and so often guys taken later have that chip on their shoulder, and while they don't have the athletic blue chip qualities of guys taken before them, in some ways they're almost better suited for this league as far as being physical, as far as their mental tenacity. Tenacity? Yeah, and... and- <laughs> and I would, I, w- I would add to that. I think you made a good point about trading up um, for Mo Claiborne. That's that. You know what you give up, of course, is a is a second round guy who should be a uh, you know a, a every Sunday starter for you. They, the same guy they gave up to go get Demarcus Lawrence. Yes. Uh, the same. You know, and then and then so so if you lose a premium pick for Claiborne and a premium pick for Lawrence, I mean these guys should be starters for you. Then. You get nothing out of Randy Gregory, almost nothing out of Chaz Green. I guess he still has a chance to prove that. And then, so far, nothing out of Jalen Smith. 
you can definitely see how the Cowboys are doing much, much better at building their roster, but there's still much more room for improvement as far as making those top 100 picks count. Yeah, and that's Great. in my mind, that's their flaw, the second round. They've always used the second round as a home run. You know, that's, that's, gam- home that's gambling, spot. Jerry. That's, that's where they – Jerry that is, the yeah, that, that is Jerry's influence that still remains – over the draft room, and it's like, you know what? The second round is where you gamble. You either hit big or you miss. So what? So what? It's a second-round pick. You should step into your lineup <laughs> yeah. immediately. Yeah, so so what is insane. If you want to gamble, gamble in the fifth round sure. on guys who know, you know, know the, the red flags. In the second round, you've got to get, in many cases, a decade starter. And, uh, and, and you know, I think the smart teams do very, very well in the second and third rounds. The Cowboys, obviously, like we said, it's not we're not here to beat them up because their roster looks better than it's looked in, uh, in many, many years. But they, they still are paying for some past sins. So let me, let me change the topic. Evan, Evan Grant would say I'm trying to hijack the conversation now, but he's not here, so the heck with him. Tony Romo. Let's, let's talk about Tony for, for a minute. Do you really think, and there have been reports out this weekend, that, that Jerry doesn't want Tony going to Houston? It's, it sounds absolutely absurd to me, and I think David agrees with me because he's, he's – he's, what do you call it? What are you doing with your head now, David? Shaking my Shake, head. Well, you know, SMH. He's shaking his head, but he's in that no-no. That's, that's silly stuff, isn't it? In my mind, yes. I mean, I, I think it, it's such a limited market out there. And, and you could argue out of Denver and Houston, I think Houston is desperate to get a quarterback of Tony Romo's level. If, if they weren't and Tony Romo wasn't their guy, why hasn't Jay Cutler been through there yet? Why hasn't Chase, McDan- you know, Chase Daniel been through there yet? I mean, in my mind – Houston's really put itself in the position the moment they traded Osweiler that, look, we either get Romo or how can we sell this, one, to our fans, two, to our own team who's been beating their head against the wall these last couple of years, and, and we've gotten in the playoffs and, and gotten to the second round with no quarterback. Um, you know, they're not going to get one in the draft uh, that can step in right away that you could project reasonably that could do that where they are. Uh, I feel they have to take Romo. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to sit here and go – well, we know Dallas is going to have to let him go, so we'll just wait you out. So is it a staring contest now? I think it is, yeah. And Denver's in there on the, on the mark. I think Denver has an interest, but if Denver does nothing at quarterback, they're still light years ahead, in my mind, of where Houston is at the moment as far as being able to be competitive. So I don't think, you know, I think they'll sit there and be willing to pick it off and consider it and make a run at them. But I don't think there's a, a sense of desperation in, in Denver. I, I think there is. I think Houston's trying to hide it, but I think there is with the Texans. Yeah, and I think ultimately the hope, and I, I, this feels like a Hail Mary to me, but uh, if they pull it off, uh, um, I, I suppose I'll feel pretty stupid, but uh, also in a way happy to be wrong, uh, that they think they might be able to flip first-rounders with one of these two teams. I still come back to the fact that even if you could, even if you could jump up, uh, I think it's eight spots for Denver's pick or, or, or four spots or three for Houston's pick, I still don't think that's worth the $10 million in dead money. Um, I think this team has uh, kind of demonstrated to us that they are strapped, and I don't believe it's their strategy to write disingenuous contracts. I think it's a necessity, and uh, there's a big difference there. And so uh, until they can get Romo off the books, uh, they will remain uh, scrambling money-wise to do business. And uh, I, I 
would consider losing a few of these free agencies a, a bit of an issue because they just don't have the type of money to compete to. Uh, sometimes you have to overpay to keep your guys. I, I think uh, several contenders have done that this year. Um, and, you know, it's like I'll go back to that Nick Perry thing. They did not want to give him $60 million, but they saw they had to. So they opened up their purse and did it up there. And, I, you know, I think Dallas might have felt that way about one of these defensive backs. But they're unable to do so because of the, they're in this money situation, partly because of the Romo situation. And I've, I've said since day one, and if I'm wrong, uh, people are going to remember it for years and remind me of uh, being wrong. Very similar to thinking Jalen Ramsey over Ezekiel Elliott's the play, which I still feel, by the way. But, uh, but, but ultimately, I think uh, the idea of a trade, unless you can get something amazing, is not worth losing $10 million this year against the Cavs. Is there David Moore on 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 TV on Sports Day on Air on Fox Sports Southwest basically dismissed me as an idiot when I asked this question or when I said this? You didn't say anything like that. No, no, no. I'm going to ask my question now. Oh, Let me okay. ask my question. Is there any possible way Tony Romo could be back with his team with the Cowboys next year, Bob? <laughs> I would like to think there's. And, and this is not a personal attack at Tony, but I'd like to think this team isn't that insane because that sounds really insane to me um, because obviously what you're doing then is you're uh, disrupting the room substantially. You're not uh, in any way uh, helping the growth of your young quarterback, and we're going back to this uh, very odd bind, unless, unless very uh, part of your premise is uh, what some fans have thrown out, that they should try to trade Dak, which is even more... No, 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 no. That would not be my premise. That would not. My premise okay. would be you need a good back... David, stop but, but smirking. You're, but you're David still is, saying that he's an David, idiot. David, you just didn't, David is smirking You're just couching here. it. Have you ever seen David Moore smirk? <laughs> he's smirking here like, Bob Sermon agrees with me. Barry Horn, you're an idiot. Admit it, David. I, 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 as a Wisconsinite, I will uh, defend Tony Romo for uh, for quite a bit, but I cannot defend a guy who has been hurt for multiple months in three of the last five times he's been hit on the football field. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, you know that's three strikes, and if uh, people are willing to load up for a fourth and fifth and sixth strike with uh, Tony Romo, I would suggest that uh, their their passion for number nine is uh, is clouding their judgment. And, uh, and and I we just we just know how this works. We've watched football our entire lives. We know that quarterbacks break at a certain point. Uh, and you can tell me Tom Brady's playing until he's forty. Tom Brady is not Tony Romo. His body, those injuries. I don't care what doctors tell me. They are connected. They're all part of his core. He turns his back and then exposes his collarbone. Um, I don't. You know, he might go and be healthy somewhere else. But in those other places, they are gambling, knowing they don't have a better idea. And the Cowboys do. They've established they have a better idea right now, not of Romo in his prime, but Romo at this age and in this condition, Dak Prescott is absolutely a better option. Tony Robo's been unable to finish three of the last five games he started over the last two years. So if I'm the, three of five. So I'm the Houston Texans, I'm thinking. But but you but again, look at the position Houston is in. They spent the big money last year with the guy, it didn't work out, they moved on. And now they're sitting there, so you're ready to go in the season with Tom Savage and Brandon Whedon and say, you know what, we're going to get far, we're going to keep this defense together, stay in here with us, but, we're going to get but, you farther than we've been. What you're saying is, or what you're you're basically saying is, they're going to have to go with those guys anyway because Tony's not going to be able to complete the season in Houston. 
Well, if I'm Houston, I realize that uh, I'm, I'm throwing a bit of a Hail Mary here. Maybe not a Hail Mary, but how about a third and long to try to get uh, 16 or 32 starts out of Tony Romo and trying oh. to get to the promised land. Buys your but year I don't ha- But if I had Dak Prescott uh, in Houston, I'm not thinking the same way. And, uh, you know, they know that. Everyone knows that. Um, that's why Denver... Uh, says at worst we have Paxton Lynch. We just invested in him. We uh, we took him from Dallas basically last year in the draft. So if we don't get Romo, the world is not going to end in Denver. Uh, they also have the benefit of a Lombardi Trophy that's less than uh, 14 months old. Um, so so I, I I imagine the Cowboys' belief that uh, they were going to have a big auction for uh, for Romo's services. It's uh, it's very optimistic, but I just don't think it deals in reality. Bob, can you remind Cowboy fans who may be listening what a Lombardi Trophy is? <laughs> they know very, very well, uh, at least the ones who are uh, 30 years old or older. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, it was, it, it, this, this franchise has been very, very successful, and they've had two seasons in the last three years that, uh, that at least put them in the mix. But, uh, you know, I, I, think, I think that's as far as Tony ever got them. Uh, and, and, you know, it, Tony was great. I, I don't have any problem with Tony Romo. In fact, I wrote a piece this morning uh, talking about DeMarcus Ware over at the Morning News. And, uh, you know, these guys are penalized for not doing great things with the Cowboys and getting them a title. But uh, it's hard, man. And you need management that are that's smart. And I don't know that Tony Romo ever uh, reaped the benefits of a fully brilliant management team until he was well into his 30s. And, uh, you know, that's that's a tough break. But thankfully... He was paid several piles of money to deal with it. I think he felt he was seeing the benefits of it last year, and it was actually going to come to fruition, and he had to watch it from the sidelines, and that has to be a devastating blow for him because he did feel that this team was the, the best equipped, the one they put on the field last year, was, was even better than the, the team in 2014. Bob, let me ask you this. Did, De- did Dez catch it? Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think people on both sides. Uh, I think uh, several Packer, Packer players have said he caught it. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, honestly, with the Dez catch, um, I think the question is: with four minutes to go, were you ever going to stop Aaron Rodgers? No, because um, all all they needed was a field goal. But the, I think no. I think all parties involved, except uh, the NFL office, uh, suggests that the Dez catch was in fact the catch. All right, well, and they still would have lost because they would not have stopped. Not, Green Bay in that situation. Not, not with that great secondary they had. That, 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 that is now <laughs> you just let it go, that, that let just, get away. That you let, let go. Blow yeah. to the wind. Yeah. See, David. The, David, uh, David looked at me askance <laughs> when when I brought that up, but I I tied it up. We tied it up. You did well, tie it up. Yeah. Well, they they show that game all the time on the NFL Network, and and uh, and the defense was not stopping uh, Rodgers, just like the game down here it seemed, but. At the same time, you got a lot of other moments in that game, including the DeMarco Murray fumble and the kickoff return fumble, and there's there's a lot from that game to haunt uh, people for many years. Bob, you've been terrific. We've it's we're 28 minutes 57 seconds into plant? this. No, no, we I told Bob we'd keep him for 15, and and so you lied again. I lied again. I I always do that, you know. Well, I, because I, I, if I said 20, we needed you for 29 minutes. Bob would have said, said no. But I said for 15 minutes. He said yes. That's 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 our mo. That's shrewd. Yeah, I learned that from if management. Read, management here at the <laughs> Dallas Morning News. If Live. you read my draft profile, guys, uh, brevity is one of my strengths. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, you know, you, obviously, uh, we get paid by the word here, so we like we like we, we like to be long. Bob, thanks so much. 
congrats, congratulations on being listed as one of the top 30. Top 30, uh, that's right. Top yeah. 30 most influential radio personalities, yeah. you and Dan McDowell. Even higher than 30, right? It was in top 25. Bob, what number were you? 23? Uh, 22? Uh, I don't even know. I, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. He, he didn't read the paper. He didn't keep up. No, he, he knows. I, uh, he, he knew that before it was in the paper, but... I thought I thought that that was that was a very interesting list put out by uh, by Talkers uh, magazine because uh, the ticket just killed it in, in that list in that listing of the top. Well, 10. if you if you take the latest episode or issue of Talkers and uh, and a few dollars, you can get a nice cup of coffee. Well, I, I, I'm sure I'm sure your bosses at the ticket will look at that and go, "That's really nice. We need don't to reward this. Don't don't come in here looking for more money." Exactly. No, they've uh, they've been very clear. <laughs> where, where did my where did my show rank on that list? Barry? You know, it, it didn't make the top. I think it was one hundred and one. <laughs> I think it was receiving votes. I think it was one hundred and one. It was it was others it would have been top hundred. Others with, not receiving with, votes. It, it would have been top hundred with Wolanski, <laughs> but then they have Wolanski and, and some guy, some t- and some newspaper guy. Wolanski in person. Wolanski and friend <laughs> plus one. Wolanski plus one. Bob, thanks so much. My pleasure, guys. Have a good day. Thank you, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Before we wrap this up, David, I want to ask you, who will the Cowboys miss more, Doug Free or Ron Leary? There is such a a groundswell of people saying, I'm so glad Doug Free is gone. I want to hear what these people have to say about six, seven, eight games into the season. Do you think there will be revisionist stories? I believe there will be. He is is an above-average NFL player. He uh, was not as good on the left side, which is why they moved him back on the right. Um, while you, everyone points to this large number of penalties he got, uh, there were certainly some inopportune penalties. But how many times was he beaten? Uh, how, many, how many sacks did he give up? How often did he get blown off the ball and you were not, unable to run to the right side because of Doug Free? Um, he, he was a very good lineman for this team who... I believe, unfairly got criticized or tarnished with, well, he makes mistakes all the time. He did not make mistakes all the time. As somebody who's accused of making mistakes all the time, let me tell you, I I, I (laughs) fell for him. All right, and last question of the podcast. Who did the podcast miss more right now, Kevin Sherrington or Evan Grant? I think it's clear, but no comment. No comment. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Cowboy Podcast here on Ballsy. And if Evan Grant were here, he'd go, ballsy. I don't know why he does that. But thanks, everyone, for listening. We also expect to have Fran Fraschilla on to talk uh, about Baylor and the uh, NCAA tournament, men's basketball tournament. You expect to have Evan on? We have to, I think. Uh, it's in his contract. Contractual, Evan will be... Evan, contractual Evan will be, obligation. We will fulfill Evan, that contractual obligation. Evan will be on from Surprise, uh, where we could we could have had any number of, of uh, Ranger guests, but we'll have Evan instead. So, for David Moore, I'm Barry Horn. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.